I'll be uh, speaking uh, on the theme of more than conquerors. A believer's life of victory, more than conquerors. And I know you are there and you may not actually be feeling like you are a conqueror in anything right now. And it has been said from morning, from the Bible study that was sent uh, to us uh, by Brother Ian, that in the life of Job there was this surprise to the uh, brethren who were around him. When they saw that the righteous are suffering, the righteous suffer to this extent. And therefore for them there was nothing to rejoice or to see in Job as he was a conqueror. They, they saw Job as a sinner condemned, being judged. They would not describe Job as a conqueror in his experience that he was going through. We also have been reminded here even in prayers, we confess before the Lord that we are also struggling in sins. And as we keep also in mind what Paul has said in chapter 7 of Romans, that the things he desires to do in his renewed, renewed mind, these are the things he finds that he is not doing to the vigor, to the extent, to the joy, to the level that he has been called to do them. And he says, the things I do not want to do, these things I find myself doing. Maybe you are here and that is your struggle. It, all of us, we are there, but we are in different circumstances at different times. Maybe there is a recurring sin, a recurring condemning sin that you have been fighting to overcome. And this morning, you are at your lowest. And the phrase or the title, more than conquerors, a believer's life of victory, seems so contradictory to you this morning. You feel everything else but a conqueror. You feel everything else but a believer living in victory. Oh, experience or sharing in any form of victory or maybe you are sick and in your body there is you are experiencing the brokenness of this old creation you are sick with a certain disease with a certain condition and maybe even doctors have said it is incurable and you have if god doesn't heal you to carry it the rest of your life and that makes the the theme more than conquerors, I believe as a of victory, it may seem at some point as if it is contradictory. As if you have been called just to endure this defeat and wait all through until uh, the end. Or maybe you are facing the threat or the fear within you that God will give up on you. That God has had enough from you. There is one thing, is one thing to fight sin with victory, with successes, with assurances as you conquer. It's another thing to remain in a place fighting one situation. And the accuser who accuses brethren may be at your case this moment. With condemnation, with these accusations, look at yourself. The next thing you do this thing, the next moment you are in this situation again, you are done. God's mercies are over and you will be a castaway. So we here, all of us, are sharing in the reality described in Romans 8. We find within ourselves the joys of belonging to Christ. 
but also we see these realities of brokenness of our bodies, of our own remaining corruption and sinfulness, of the hopelessness that we see around in our, in our world, in our creation, and it may get to us. We may feel as if in the world is survival for the fittest. And you don't just ha- happen to be one of those with those genes called the genes of the fittest. You, you may feel as if this is a whole arena of the best will make it and the weak will be cast off, will be destroyed. There is no hope. But Romans 8 comes to us and says, the ways of the Lord are not the ways of man. And what the world is calling blessing, conquering victory, in the wrong land, it is not the real and true blessing and victory. And I was, I was preparing, I came across uh, two warnings. One in chapter 7, one in chapter 8. False teaching that one comes from chapter 7 of Romans, another false teaching that comes from the book of Romans chapter 8. Of course, it is not like the Romans chapter 8 gives falsehood. It is the people who read uh, these two chapters. One says, when you are a believer, there is no struggle in sin. You ought to be perfected. You ought to be sinless. You ought to be, have no struggle at all when it comes to sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, that is not the case. Actually, he reaches a point and he, then he is talking about him as a person, as an apostle. He's saying, the things I want to do as an apostle born again in Christ Jesus, writing these the things I want to do, these things I do not do. And then the next false uh, doctrine is in chapter 8. If you are a believer, you should not experience any sickness. You should not experience any persecution, any pain, any suffering. For, oh, you are in Jesus. You are a child of God. These things should not come to you. And those two things, brethren, they are not in the truth of the word. We are in Jesus and we are, as we shall see, sharing in blessings after blessings after blessing. But we are still in this body that is part of this creation. We are still in unglorified bodies. And we shall see in Romans chapter 8, that is the hope. And so I want us to see three things here that relate to our true blessing. Number one is that sin, our sin who are in Jesus Christ, is condemned and defeated in Jesus Christ. Then the second thing we shall see is that we are not only justified before God, forgiven, but we are united in a real way right now. This moment as we are seated here in Nakuru, we are united with the reigning Christ in ways that we will never know as we are in this world. We will know in glimpses and glimpses, but we are united in a real way in Jesus Christ. Actually, we are united before, from before the foundation of the world. For God, the plan he had in Jesus Christ. From before time began, in eternity past, God thought of you, chose you, loved you in Jesus Christ. So we are united with Jesus by the Holy Spirit, even now as we are in this broken world. And then we shall see that thing, is that the promised future glory is an assured inheritance for us. Despite the circumstances that they may be right now, right now. The inheritance of believers is a sure thing. And so number one, we see that sin is condemned. And in that word condemnation, the chapter 8 now reminds us what has been happening from chapter 1 of the book of Romans. 
Paul has been writing and saying that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is being revealed. The righteousness of God is being revealed in two ways. Number one is, is being revealed in judgment of the unrepentant. The, those who continue in the ungodly ways from verse, uh, chapter 1 of verse 17. Righteousness of God is being revealed from heaven. Again, it's all unrighteousness and all ungodliness. And this righteousness is revealed because men are unrighteous. Why? They, we, they are uh, suppressing the truth about God in their unrighteousness. That is what verse 17 and 18 of Romans chapter 1 says. The wrath of God is a just wrath. He is a holy God, but we, we have fallen. We are a fallen human humanity. And where do we fall? Romans chapter 5 reminds us we fell in Adam. In Adam, we shared in his sin and his condemnation. He was created as the son of God in creation. All creation subjected to his authority and rule. And he was given the word of the Lord to obey and to live in this righteousness as a son of God. And all creation enjoying the bliss and the health and the prosperity that obedience of sons uh, warrant or, 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 or resort to. But Adam fell. And in Romans chapter 5 we are told that that one sin of one human being, of one man, resorted to death, resorted to death for all who are in him, who are in Adam. It is all humanity. It is all humanity. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans reveals to us that in Adam we were weak and ungodly sinners. Enemies of God and under his wrath. That is from verse 6 to 10 of Romans 5. So when we are talking about blessing and conquering and victory. We must deal with that Call that root problem of humanity. The Bible reveals and opens our eyes to see the real problem of humanity. It is not bad governance. It is not bad politics. Not bad so, so social uh, structures. It is not merely bad morals and bad attitudes of people. And if we just get the right person in this position and we get the right people in this area and we just get the right people as my neighbors, my problems will be over. The Bible says no. The problem is actually in, from the creation, from the fall. In Adam, we have seen, we have entered into this decaying corruption. In this groaning creation, we have entered into corruption in Adam. And what do we deserve from God? We deserve his wrath. From verse 18 of chapter 1, we, we continue to, to read that, the sins that we have committed are not sins that we were forced to do. It is deliberate. By our unrighteousness, we suppress the truth. What we knew about God, which was plain to us from his creation, his Godhead, his power, we did not honor him as God or give him thanks as God. But we created our own gods after our own desires, after our own uh, passions. And as Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us, we were following the course of this world. We were not worthy to receive any blessing from God. Our sin was inexcusable. Romans 2 verse 1 says, You are, you have no excuse before God, O oh, you man. So the law of God also was condemning us. That's why Romans 8 starts with this theme of condemnation. Because all we could receive from God in Adam 
And I want you to picture a very big ship. Some of you have watched the, the movie the Titanic. Now bigger than that. A big ship that has broken away from the ranks of the government that, 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 that it used to belong to. And the captain of this ship has total authority and total control over all the people in that ship. And the atmosphere and the spirit in that ship, it is drunk by all in that ship. Even the one who is born starts to drink from that atmosphere of rebellion and, and anarchy from the rightful owners of this ship. And this ship is deep in the waters. It is having a life of its own in rebellion, breaking away from the country to which it belongs. This is a picture of humanity. In Adam, we broke away from God. We, we threw our backs to him and we said, we will live the way we want. And we created our own idols and God in this ship and we live in the passions of the flesh. And this ship is headed into our one destiny. At the end of this huge massive water, in the course it has taken, it is headed for a shipwreck and to destruction. And I want you to picture another ship now as we come to the second point. The second ship is from the country from where this ship has come from. And it comes not with destruction, not with arrows uh, of judgment, not with bombs, not with anything. This second ship is coming with offers of mercy and with actually power to deliver people from this first ship. And it comes and throws its... Uh, uh, the, the, the ladders that are used to, uh, to connect two ships in the water and calls. And through the power of that call, people start to hear from this old ship, this rebellious ship. And we start to hear the call of the king from the country we have come from. And we understand and we see the joy of belonging to him. And we see what he's saving us from. He speaks to us. And we find in us the liberty, the joys. The ability to break free from the captain of this old ship, Adam, and in sin and destruction and immorality and all powers of and the pools of sin, we break free by the call of the one who has been sent from this country. And we cross and now we are in a new ship. This ship, even the way it looks, the lighting, the the air within this ship, it is there is joy, there is peace, there is life, and there is no condemnation. You are not told because you had gone to the other ship, now we must judge you. You are told actually you, your citizenship is restored and all your privileges of the former country. So we see from verse 1 there is no condemnation for those who are not just in a ship in Christ Jesus. In the one who is God in the flesh. Those who, those who are united with Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. Why is there no condemnation? Because the owner of the land, the owner of the country, has done what? Has, verse 32, has not spared his own son. He has delivered him up for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? These are the blessings of the gospel, the blessings of belonging to Jesus. Total pardon of all our sins. Not only pardon, but... Union, sharing in the spirit of his son, sharing in the character of the kingdom. We are being changed from the mannerism of the old ship. Look at this in verse 2. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What you are sharing in the old ship, it is only drinking the spirit of sin and death and judgment and condemnation. Though we thrived in some ways, and you bear me witness the world also today, seems to also be thriving. And they ask, what is this you talk about of, of, of a coming judgment from? Until when shall you wake up and see there is no judgment? We are here enjoying all that you left. We be a witness to that. But here we are changed and turned to start to share in new spirit, new joy. And the Bible will say in verse 9, For those who do not have this spirit of God, this spirit of Christ, are not his. No one who is called from the old ship and who finds himself in this new ship, this in Jesus, no one doesn't share in the spirit of the king, in the spirit of God. So believer, you may not be feeling like it fully, you may not be feeling as if this is the reality, but in Jesus, in Christ, you have the spirit of sonship in you. You have the spirit who renews you after the image of Christ himself. And so these are the blessings that we are talking about when we say that we are more than conquerors. First of all, God in his free grace and mercy has dealt with our sin fully. We read in the book of, uh, of, of Peter that Christ has suffered once and for all. First Peter 3.18, Christ has suffered once for all for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. When the, this ship is coming near this old ship, this rebellious ship, their proclamation is said. Before the inception of this ship coming towards you, the son of the king died to pay for your rebellion. That is a sacrifice that has been carried out for you, for you to find amnesty, forgiveness, and restoration into the household of God. So we have this new legal Status now, not in Adam, Romans chapter 5, but in Christ Jesus. And what has happened in, this, in, the, in Christ Jesus? We share in the eternal plan of God who planned, who loved us before the foundation of the world. Look at verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. We come to realize as we are in this new ship that the king has not just loved us now when we were born. Before even there was any rebellion of this captain of this old ship, before there was any fall, before there was any sin, he set his eyes on us, knowing that we would fall and we would sin and we would hate him. He predestined, he foreknew us. That foreknowledge is not just knowing things shall happen. It is setting his love specifically and individually on a person. There is a way that I know my wife, that I will not know any other woman in this world. It is a fellowship of intimacy in love. This is what the Bible is saying, that God has loved you. Intimately, more than marriage can portray, God has loved you, child of God. God has loved you. When? Before the foundations of the world. God has loved you. God has known you. So, most of the things that trouble us, what are they? They are things that, do, that do deal with today, actually. Today, now. 
where shall I clothe? How shall I pay this? How this sickness in my body, this tension in my relationship with my husband, with my wife, with, with, with this brother, with this sister, this hardship at work, the things that trouble us mostly are things of today. This is what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6 and telling, no, it ought not to be like you if you are a child of God. For the heathens, the heathens have no other hope. For you it is. Know that your father cares for those things that you are concerned about them then. But also know this, that he has an eternal plan with you in it, in Jesus Christ, at a great cost on his son. So those he foreknew, he predestined. He set the destiny of before they were. God has set the destiny of your destiny. As a child of God, it is a destiny of glory. It is a destiny of total sanctification, total and full likeness to Jesus Christ. Again, you may not be feeling like it, as we said. Right now you may actually be just on, you are repenting, you're repenting, you're repenting, not even believing, not even feeling as if you're forgiven. But as you continue with that fight, as you groan in that sin, know this, it is a groaning and a battle destined to victory. Glory to God. It is a groaning and a battle that is not to be lost. Why? He has loved you, has made you his own. This predestining is to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In this new ship also we learn, we are not just offered forgiveness and restoration as if the king just wants more population back in the country. No. He wants us as we are on this journey and as we near returning. By the time we land on the shore, brethren, and, and now this is ought to be said carefully. As we land on the shore of that, this country, the king will look and he will see many sons. As, as he looks at where to differentiate, he is seeing my son, my son, my son. He is seeing perfect image and likeness of his son in all who have been rescued from the old ship. As we are in this new ship, the spirit of God, the spirit of the, of the son, Jesus Christ, is washing us, sanctifying us, transforming our thinking, transforming our desires and our attitudes, and we are making progress because no one shall reach this new show without becoming like Jesus Christ. And the one who shall have not been that perfected by the just Sighting the show and the ship docking and seeing the father face to face, the transformation, whole transformation shall occur. And this is the hope of the Christian call. And it's not a, a call to defeat. It's not a call to resign to fate. Oh, I've been defeated again by this sin. I guess I'll never be free. Paul says this in this chapter, that if that is the attitude of me as Joseph, that I will not be free, so let me give myself over to the spirit of this old ship. He's saying, then you're not in the, old in the new ship. You're still in the one that is following the captain who rebelled. Because the attitude of those who are in this new ship is, I got to be changed. I got to be like him. My joy, my, my satisfaction, my pursuit, my values, my happiness is not in the lifestyle of the old. It is in this lifestyle of the new. Yes, there is a struggle, but this is what I want with all my heart. So believer, how do you know that you are Christian? It is not by just believing all these doctrines here. And maybe as I am preaching you, you really know what I shall say next. 
you say, if he treats this verse right, this is what he will say. It's not in knowing those doctrines. It is in looking in your heart. Is there the joy of this, of seeing this son of God and saying, I want to be like him. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. I want to be conformed to his image. Sin is not glorifying him and his father. Sin is an affront to his glory. And I don't want to continue in this. Look at chapter 7 of, uh, of these Romans. Verse 24. This is the attitude of a Christian. Paul is saying, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, these I do. But he does not say, oh, then I have given up, brethren. Whatever becomes in this fight with sin, let it become. He's saying, verse 24, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But then he looks to the one, the captain of this new ship, and he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He sees, this is the one to deliver me. And he will because he planned to do it before the foundation of the world. And he is doing it right now by his spirit. By his spirit. But what if you say, what about these sufferings? We suffer more even than unbelievers. We, we are suffering. We are persecuted. Maybe even right now you are dealing with a situation where you are being persecuted. Because you are Christian, there are things that are coming your way just because you are a believer. And you say, what about this? Did also the God who planned this salvation from before time, did he know that this suffering would be there? Did they escape his mind? And then Paul says, no. Why? They are part of the plan. They are part of the plan. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, there is nothing in all creation, seen or unseen. There is no one in all creation, dead, living or to come. There is no spirit, throne or power, principality that can bring anything our way as God's people that God did not foresee and say, I will use even this one. I will use it for the praise of my glory. I will use it to change my son and my daughter to my image. I will use it. Genesis 50, 20. Joseph, after uh, nearly all his life, and actually all his life afterwards, was used or was spent in a country that he never uh, chose to be in, looks at the things that are past and says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Brothers and sisters, I know this sometimes feels easier to preach or to say it before people than to leave it even for me personally. All things that we are passing through right now are for our good. All things. All things. And these are not just good things. Even the things that hurt us. Even the things that cause us to be sleepless with tears as we wonder, where shall this end? God is saying, if you trust me, if you are in me, if you are in my son, even this shall end for your good. So we see that the blessings of a Christian is that we are not in the former condition of condemnation. We are actually in a new state, new legal condition, blessed in Jesus Christ. 
And we are sharing in the spirit of adoption. We are sons. But this does not negate the fact that we are still in this body. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. What? These are some of the phrases we skip over when we are reading the Bible. And I was reading this and I was, I was, I don't know what this means. Should I rejoice at this? My body, the body that is carrying me in this life, the body that is making me even to be able to go to the church tomorrow to preach this body that I shall walk with, this body is dead. Is that a good thing? What should I make of this? And this is what Paul is saying. Everything of the old creation, everything of the old creation cannot inherit the new kingdom. The, the, the land that we are going. First Corinthians 15, that even this body is corrupt. This body, that is why it is aging. That is why we are even on, on mast right now. Because this body can get a virus and die. This body is its end. Humanly speaking, it is death. It is, it is sharing in the fruit and the, the consequences of sin. Of course, we are not being judged when we die. But even death, all things are for good. Even death shall lead to a good. But we have to face the reality that these bodies still suffer. We grow sick. We have accidents. We die. This body. It becomes so Difficult sometimes even to walk, to eat, to breathe. And people have to be put on bed. This body is destined to death. But this is the hope. And from there now, Paul is starting to speak about the coming hope. That because our spirits, because in us, the new man in us has shared in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. It is not all death. These bodies, yes, they shall die and be buried or wherever they shall die, whichever uh, condition. But because we have shared in Jesus, we have hope even for this body that will end in death. This body shall be raised to resurrection life. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So, brethren, this is the great hope. Of course, we should not be careless. We should not remove masks and say there is no corona. My, my mother was telling me about a, a neighbor to my uncle who, who was telling the church, he's an elder at a church, he's telling the church there is no corona. Therefore, he will continue the way we were going before. And God in his providence made that he and his wife get corona, <laughs> the first one in that church. And they were near death. Now he's preaching a different message. There is corona. <laughs> let us put our mask. Let us, let us watch. Let us be careful. My point is this. We should not be careless and say, then if this body is assigned to death, let me expose it to whatever I, I need to expose. Let me, let me just be careless about it. But this is the message. As we face the truth, the reality of this corruption, this corrupted body, aging, pain, diseases, dysfunction of some organ or hormones or whatever, as we face 
these realities, we do it with hope. Why? The Spirit who rose Jesus Christ from the dead, that Spirit, that Spirit of God lives in us, in our new man. And because of that hope, because also Jesus rose in a body, we know even we shall be given a glorified body. And so, here, these are some of the implications as we near the end of our time. So what do we do, brethren? Verse 12. We are debtors. Tuko na deni. Nadawa ya deni wanasema ni? Ni kulipa. Tuko na deni. Ama sisi ni wadeni. Na ila deni tuko nayo si kuishi katika mwili. Si kuendelea katika the lifestyle of the old ship. It is to live according to the spirit. For living according to the flesh is what we used to do in the old ship. We had set our mind on the things of the flesh. We had set our hearts on the desires of the mind, the fallen, the carnal mind. As verse 6 says, we were carnally minded, headed to death. Because to be carnally minded is to die, is to be in death. But now we have been given a new mind. And I want to encourage us this morning that the reality of Romans chapter 6, we need to experience it more and more as we get the word of the Lord, as we are filled with the word, as we share in the spirit of the living God, as we continue to gaze upon the glories of Christ, we ought to continue to share in the reality of Romans 6, that we have been crucified together with Jesus. That our old man of sin may be dealt away with, that we may be raised to new life. So the power of sin over your life has been broken. These are the good news. The power of sin over my life has been broken. But yet the presence of sin, as we are still in this body that dies, the presence of sin is still there. There are still desires within us that if we fan them uh, to, 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 to flame and excite them and feed them, we will actually live like the world. A believer will not continue in that uh, trajectory for long because we see the new desires, the new heart, the new passions. But even that way is one way of revealing people who are not born again. People who are not in this new ship, so to say. So we are debtors. If we continue to live in the flesh, we show that we are not in the new ship. We are not in Jesus. If we continue to live, if we make it a lifestyle, if we even devise ways. In Romans chapter 2, uh, we are told that we are not just sinning. We were also commending the people who sin. We were actually devising new ways to sin. That is what, how, what the world does. If, if that is what we are doing even right now, and I want you to look at your life, even in secret, I look, even my, I look at my life. If when I am there alone, if it, I am in the habit of devising new ways to satisfy my flesh, new ways to be self-centered, new ways to, to be greedy, new ways to be materialistic, new ways and new, you know, I shall do this to get this, to do this, to have this. James says, then it shows that we are not really after the glory of the Father. We are in love with the world. And we do not belong to Christ ultimately. But if we live by the Spirit, we shall put to death the deeds of the body and we shall continue to be alive. We shall continue to enjoy life in this new ship. We shall continue to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Paul also does not just talk about the body and the realities that 
and the implication that we have as believers in this body. He also talks about the creation that surrounds us. And he says, the creation follows the way of sons of God. In the first creation, the son of God, Adam, sinned, rebelled against God, and the creation has been subjected to his fate. Adam was banished away from God's presence, from life, and even from there, creation started to decay. And to be, the Bible says that creation has been subjected in, to futility. Verse 20. Creation has been subjected to futility, not willingly, but in hope by the one who subjected it. As we live, we see this reality. We put our efforts on work, on farming, the doctors in research, in coming up with vaccines and treatments and all these. But still, with all these efforts, the creation is on an unstoppable journey downwards. With all the medical expertise and progress we have today, no one can really tell you what, where does cancer come from? Why can't we treat cancer? With all the meteorological expertise and knowledge, we cannot control the weather of one year and say, this year we shall program the weather that we shall have the bountiful harvest of wheat this year. We cannot. Creation itself, and it is actually witnessing to the people, and this is why Romans chapter 1, we should take a heed. The power of God is even manifest to scientists themselves. They are seeing this order, this design, this beauty in creation, but yet, something seems wrong. There is a a switch that has been like turned off. This ordinary creation still has defects and is spiraling down in hurricanes and drought and cancer and coronavirus and bacteria. Creation is telling us this is not our home or our, our hope. Creation is saying we are looking forward to the liberty of the sons and children of God. We are longing. And the word used here is that un- the creation expects earnestly. And I was looking at the, this word, that, this phrase. It is when you have a short person within a crowd. That person wants to see forward. What will he do or she? Stretch, isn't it? Tiptoe and look ahead. That's what the creation is, is doing. Honestly looking ahead to the hope, to the glory that God has with creation, with humanity, that there is a hope ahead. There is a glorious end ahead. And so blessings and conquering for believers does not just mean that we have no sickness today. It means we are sharing in the hope that is coming. For we are saved in this hope, verse 24. But hope that is seen is not hope. The reason why we are called to hope this morning is because the things the fullness of the thing that God has called us to share cannot be seen with these eyes right now. They are not in this creation right now. The city where there is no tears and no pain and no mourning, no death, no sin. The city where the gates are not shut, they remain open. Revelation 21 and 22. That city is not yet here. We still close our doors. Even the circumstances that can make us even close that gate and it is a gate to a church. We are still in a world that has all these realities of sin and evil 
and corruption and decay, yet there is another hope ahead of us. Brethren, let us not lose focus of that hope. That hope where we shall be with our God forever and ever. Know him as he is, see him as he is, and be fully in his image. Worshipping and fellowshipping with him for eternity and eternity. Again, and I say this, if you are among us and that, that, that seems so boring to you, a reality, an eternity with God, and you're like, hey, I'm not sure. If, at the heart of your heart, you, this seems boring. To be with God forever, this is your wake-up call. Call to the Lord because you're still in the old ship. You're still in Adam. Your heart is not yet, has not tasted that the Lord is good. If there is no joy, there is no anticipation of being with God, knowing him, seeing him as he is, this is your wake-up call. Maybe you have thought and felt that God ought to give us. Great time here. To promise so much ahead. You are like the son, the prodigal son. Give me what is coming to me. If that is, if that is and I'm saying the, at the core of your motivation, if that is what you feel God should do, seek to see. Seek for your eyes to be opened to the glories of being with God. And not just being with God. Look at this in verse 16. Not just being with God. Verse 14. It is also calling him Abba, Father. It is not only just calling him Abba, Father. It is saying that if we are heirs of God, if we our inheritance is God himself. Then we are blessed. Verse 8, 17. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we also suffer with him now as we look forward to being with him forever. Is this, is this your joy? Is this what makes you fight sin? Makes you pursue God? Makes you study your, your Bible? Makes you give and lay your life down for others and for the cause of the gospel? Is this hope of Airing, being an heir, possessing God himself, is it your hope? Or the hope is somewhere. If I give, they will still recognize me and see that I am the person who is generous. If I lead God's people, then I shall have people who are following me and my project and my program with my life shall be fulfilled. Is this your joy? Being an heir of God. I got to have God. Let everything else be what it may be. Give me God. Give me Jesus. Is this the cry and the desire and the passion of your heart? Christianity is not just a list of do's and don'ts. Behave like this so that you can be fit in our group. It is that we share in this God. We, we are heirs of God himself. We are his children. And so our conduct matters. Why? Because we belong to him. We are his his testimony here in the world. We represent this new ship. We are called to reflect his glory. So why are you in church today? Why are you a member of a church today? Is it because there is a hope you are pursuing? The hope of knowing God fully. Being an heir of God and a co-heir together with Christ. And lastly, I want to finish 
with an encouragement. An encouragement that if you are in Jesus, there is nothing powerful enough and no one powerful enough to snatch you from the hands of the Lord. Not even sin is powerful to snatch you away from the hands of Christ. And as you shall experience it within you, as you groan and fight sin, there shall be victory and progress. Yes, it may be minimal, it may be slow, it may be, there may be some moments of stagnation, but there is an assurance that not even sin, not even Satan is powerful enough to snatch us away from the hands of God. Not only that, there is no accusation well planned enough about your life, about your past, about your future, that can convince God to cast you away from Jesus Christ. The word condemnation in verse 1 and verse 3, I was really uh, inspired by, by it because it means that this is a sentence, an adverse sentence, a serious sentence, a damnation, a damning sentence that results from a careful investigation. There is no careful investigation about your life if you are in Jesus Christ that will render the verdict condemned before God after you are done. Let that sink in. Aren't there things that are worthy condemning in your life right now? Even now when I'm preaching right now, there are things that are worthy for God to condemn me. Thoughts, attitudes, omissions. Not even caring Way enough for his people, maybe when called to preach. There are things worth of God to condemn us, even in thoughts and attitudes. There are things worth for God to condemn us, brethren. But what? Because of what Jesus has done, God has condemned sin in Jesus Christ, our sin. And if you are united with Jesus, there is nothing, no one, there is no verdict, there is no list of of failures, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him give us freely all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? God is daring the cosmic powers, the human beings, the people who know you, who shall know you, everything, even yourself, raise a, something that is worth of you not uh, being in Jesus Christ by his, if he has saved you, raise anything that is not worth. And God will point to Jesus. I judge that on my son. So nothing. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? He asked. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore also is risen. Who is at the right hand of God? John says we have an advocate with the father who intercedes for us. There is an intercessor before God for you. And you know that Jesus, when he's there, he's talking to, to the Father all while like God has nothing else to do. is just to reason, verbal, verbal intercession. By, even by the presence of Christ there, with his nail-pierced hands, with his sacrifice, with his blood, being there in the presence of God is intercession enough for you that you are God's. You belong to God. You are God's child. So, that is about accusation. Satan may raise an accusation. What about powers? What about troubles, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as it is written? We are, for the sake of the Lord, given over to death, counted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because I am persuaded, what the Lord says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor hate nor death nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why is God doing all this, brethren? His love. He has loved you. He has loved us. He has loved his church. And this love is without any merit on your side. It is wholly on the merit of the son who gave his life. When this ship, as I said, was coming, the message was, or the proclamation was, the king has given his son. And the son has died willingly for you. That all of you who are in this ship of destruction and sin and death in Adam. Who repent? Who believe? Who come over? You are pardoned and you are loved. And this ship will not turn back. When it has started going back home, all of you will be there when the ship lands. Brethren, this is the assurance of our salvation. We shall not be lost all on account of Christ. And if you are here... And this, as I said, is not your joy. When you hear that you shall, you're forgiven, you're pardoned, you can be pardoned, you can be forgiven, you can be adopted as a son of God, as a child of God, even to suffer for that God, for that, for his glory on this earth, and even to continue being a, seeing like a scum of the world for the name of Christ. But you have God, you have Christ. If that is not your joy this morning, there are only two ways that Romans concludes. We are either in Jesus, in the one ship called in Christ, or we are in the old ship called in Adam. There is no two ways. And in Adam, all who are there are guilty of sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have sinned against God. And your sin is not without knowledge. You know that there is God. You know what is required of you. But you have loved darkness, uh, John 3, 17 and 18. You have loved your sin. And this is your day. Christ is calling you to repent and believe in the gospel. To be born, to be transferred from the dominion of darkness, the old ship, into the, this new ship that is headed back to the land of the king. And when you are there, you will experience the joys of forgiveness, the joys of adoption to sonship of God, the joys of sanctification, the joys. Yes, there shall be groaning, yeah, yeah, you shall share in them. The Spirit also is groaning together with us as he intercedes, but you shall reach that land of eternal glories. Let's pray. <clears throat> Everlasting Father and our God, in the name of Jesus, as we look at the plan and the purposes you have in the gospel, Lord, there are no words that are enough. There is There is just no enough words, no enough gestures, no enough writing, no enough illustrations there to just describe the sheer wonders and the joys that, Lord, you have called us to share in yourself. Because how can anyone describe God fully? You are God. Therefore, Lord, as we look at the verdict that you have placed and you have written for eternity for those who are in Jesus, not, not condemned. Not children of wrath, not 
children of destruction, but my own children. Yes, there are still remaining sins in us and struggles and inordinate desires that Father sometimes war against our souls, but we see and we have tasted that you are good. Therefore, we thank you as your children for the blessing that you have caused us to share in Jesus. We pray, awaken our joys, awaken our delight in Jesus Christ today. Lord, the reality of Romans 8 is that there shall be suffering, there shall be corruption and decay of this body as it ages and is broken by diseases and, and there shall be persecution and troubles in this world as even the creation is, is, is in the same fate with the, this old ship in Adam. The economy shall be not the, uh, the, the best which we, we want. The society, or because of sin, there shall be tensions and strives and yes, you shall give us common grace like peace in a nation, but Lord, this shall not be lasting. For you are calling us to see the lasting hope, the lasting joy of being in you, in Jesus. But also, Lord, you are calling us to witness you in this world, in this creation, in this sin and suffering filled world. Help us and give us the joy. Give us the strength to say not to sin. Give us the increased and continuous, O oh Lord, and accelerated even, O oh Lord, momentarily here and there by your spirit. Sanctification, O oh Lord, that we conquer sin, that we conquer the elements of the old creation that in which our bodies are, in which we live. That, Lord, we may be able to know you intimately, to display you increasingly, perfectly, O oh Lord, until that day when you shall call us, when we shall stand before you face to face in the likeness of your Son. We pray that you help us to preach this gospel, to proclaim it, O oh Lord, yes, with the insufficiency of our own understanding and words. But Lord, as we taste that you are good, help us to share, help us to leave it, O oh God. And we pray for those who are not in Jesus Christ this morning, who are in Adam, who, O oh Lord, are in a ship headed for destruction, who are, O oh Lord, even maybe having what they may call the best time of their life in sin and wickedness. Yet, Lord, we pray that you open their eyes that they see sin for what it is, rebellion of what it is, that all they may call unto the name of the Lord and be saved. As you gather your own sons that you ordained from before the foundation of the earth, we pray that the gospel go forth powerfully, but also let the gospel work in us, O oh Lord, powerfully as we continue to grow in your image. These are our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.